Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program, a weekly program in which I invite guests to come and talk about uh, particular passages of Scripture that uh, for some they never saw. In other words, it were verses that they didn't notice or um, many of the guests love Scripture. Uh, we're very involved with studying Scripture, but for one reason or another, in time, the Holy Spirit opened their hearts to certain texts, might have been a very difficult text, might have been a challenging text, and usually what we're talking about are, are particular Scripture texts that were life-changing, and I think that's the case of our guest today. And you're hearing us on EWTN Radio, and I, I do thank you for listening to us, and I hope that if you can, you'll support EWTN Radio. Go to EWTN.com, find out more about what EWTN does and, and all of its uh, work as well as its needs. Our guest today is, uh, it's a great privilege to have Richard Lane join us on this program. And I'll say that Richard, uh, my guess is, spends his day doing things a whole lot different than most of you and me. He is a full-time evangelist. And that means that he is, I mean, many of us, of course, in our love for Jesus Christ, have committed ourselves to follow him. That's what we're supposed to do. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means accepting the call to be a fisher of men. All of us are called to do that. Each of us, though, has different gifts and opportunities, responsibilities, callings, and so we do it a little differently. Well, our guest today, Richard, is... uh, the doors have been opened to him to, in fact, dedicate his life to the proclamation of the gospel. Let me read you a little bit about Richard. You can see that on the website. If you go to deepinscripture.com, Richard was born in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, his bio, I'll give you the full details. Born to Mary O. Alexander, retired educator for the Highland Park School System, and to the late Dick Night Train Lane. You see, Richard's father was a National Football League Hall of Fame cornerback. Mr. Lane Jr. attended Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and also served honorably for nearly six years in the United States Army Military Police Corps in numerous domestic international locations. And Richard, I know you're hearing me now. You'll join me in a little bit, but I'd love to ask you how your six years in the military corps helped prepare you to be an evangelist. Richard uh, is a convert to the Catholic faith. He came in in 2003. It was early in 2005 when Richard was led to begin proclaiming the gospel as a street corner evangelist, sharing the word of God, passing out Bibles, crosses, other religious items. Since that time, he has been featured on a number of Catholic television and radio programs, including Catholic Answers Live, Ave Maria Radio, Relevant Radio, Sunday Visitor, National Catholic Reporter, Sports Review Magazine, as well as he's been on my Journey Home program on EWTN. He's a co-founder of Catholic Men for Christ Men's Conference in St. Louis, Missouri, which continues to draw thousands of men each year to hear the powerful message of the gospel. And, And Richard's going to be at the Coming Home Network Deep in History Conference this coming fall. You'll hear more about that in the future. Now, Richard is one of the only African-American Catholics in the United States on Catholic Radio. He's the producer and co-host of Covenant Radio Network's Evangelizing St. Louis weekly radio show. He's been doing that since 2006. He's the proud husband of Donna L. Lane 
and a beautiful daughter, Kay Alexandria Lane. Now, it's a great, it, like I said, it's a great privilege to have Richard on the program. I am very committed to evangelization. The Lord has been calling for us to be involved in evangelization ever since he saved us on the cross because we are called to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. But we don't always do it. We can come up with a thousand excuses. In fact, uh, there's one particular scripture verse that looms boldly in my mind and where Jesus tells us that if we deny him, he'll deny us. In other words, there's a sense in which how we share our faith There's a sense in which that openness to how we share our faith to others, whether in words or in actions, is in essence giving a message to God on what our true commitment is to him. And the church has been calling for more people to recognize this call to evangelization. There's an urgency which so many of us have lost. But I I thank God for people like Richard that have been willing to dedicate his life to that. If you want to find out more about what he does, go to www.catholicevangelist.net. It's one word, catholicevangelist.net. Now, the verse that he chose is a verse that uh, is very important to his journey. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And let me read that to you, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll ask Richard to join us after the break. So this is Jesus, and this is a unique section of, of John, because he is giving some very intimate, direct instructions to his uh, intimate followers, his hand-chosen apostles. In essence, he's describing what they will do and be called to do after the, his death, resurrection, and ascension. He will empower them with the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. He's telling them that they will have the the information, they'll remember, they'll know what is true because the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. But a part of that, in the midst of that wonderful passage of John chapter 14, 15, 16, are these introductory words um, that he uses in a very powerful way to describe the importance of of our faith in Jesus Christ. I'll begin reading with verse 1 through verse 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Then Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Do not forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. 
each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdeis' book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Gerdeis' book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Well, welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined today by Richard Lane. Hello, Richard. Hello, Marcus. How are you, sir? Well, I'm just fine. You, know, you told me you're spending your day in Kansas City, Kansas. Is that right? That's correct. I'm here all week long doing a couple of parish missions. All right. Fighting the weather? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mentioned a little bit ago uh, that I was going to ask you a question, and that was whether your time in the military helped prepare you as an evangelist. You know, it really did, and uh, I've been asked hundreds of questions over the years, and that's a great question that I've never been asked. And Now that I, I reflect on that, my time really did prepare me uh, to do this, because as a military police officer in the Army, you kind of have, um, everybody in the military has a, a specific job to do. Well, ours was one of serving, uh, not just the military police, but serving all of the the uh, uh, the different jobs in the in the United States Army, as well as other uh, branches of the military, as well. So it was something of serving others, yeah. which I've always loved to do. And it's also the structure of the Army really uh, put in place a good structure uh, for me. And I see that a similar structure in the uh, in the Catholic Church, where you have that hierarchical structure, and you know everyone kind of reports to the next person and. And you can see that that line um, that goes straight from uh, from from your from the, the lay person all the way up to the parish priest to the the local ordinary all the way on up to the the Holy Father straight to Jesus Christ. Well, um, and, and I was also thinking about the the unique characteristics that that you you need to have as an evangelist uh, makes seems like a a. a a similar characteristic that a military police, a state patrolman needs to have because I can, you know, how many times you're out there and of course, I'm not sure it never happened to you, but you're driving along and, and all of a sudden you see the red lights behind you on the highway and you got to pull your car over. And then that, that patrolman's got to get out of that car. He's going to face confrontation, does not know what he's getting into, but he's taking a stand for what's true. And he knows he's, he has to do this regardless of what comes. It takes a certain courage. It takes uh, an ability to take a stand for what's true and then trust that you're going to be protected, that you're going to have the strength to... And you need that as an evangelist. Isn't that true? Exactly. And that's one of the most dangerous parts of being a police officer, whether you're a regular police officer or a military police officer, is that that traffic stop. 
it's the most dangerous part of the of the job because you just don't know what yeah. to expect. And the only way that you can get through that is to rely on your training. Mm-hmm. Rely on your training. Rely on those that taught you uh, that said, okay, we've been through this. This is how you're going to get through and how to face any type of danger. And the same thing with a, uh, as, as being an evangelist every day. We have to rely on our training. We have to rely on our faith, yeah. what is true, which is Jesus Christ, because we don't know what we're going to face each and every day, Mark, once we get up and go out into the world. And the only way that we can face it is through relying on our faith yeah. and our trust in Jesus Christ. And isn't that maybe the reason why so many people back off? They're afraid. Mm-hmm. De- definitely. And that's, that's one of the things that, that really hit me in this particular verse. And it says in, in verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Yeah. Yeah. And so many of us are troubled nowadays. I mean, look at the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we are living in, in, in times that are, are of biblical proportions, to be honest with you. I mean, look, we've never have seen or never would have thought that we'd have seen people flying planes into buildings and, yeah. and our children. Uh, you know, we, we think that the, the safest place in the world to be able to send our children is to school. Uh, and, and our children, uh, some of our children are not safe in school, and we're just terrified of, of going out of our house. Uh, and we're in fear. Uh, and, the, and the devil, unfortunately, loves that. I mean, this is, this is his, his, his uh, uh, area and his arena, and he's just wreaking, wreaking havoc over the world because we're fearful. Uh, and what is fear? False evidence appearing real. Uh, that's yep. exactly what it is. And we all know the devil is a liar, uh, and we need to continue to go back and rely on our faith and do not let our hearts be troubled, because Jesus said that he is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. He will continue to make a way out of no way in our everyday life. We just have to continue to go back to the basics and back to our faith. One more question before we jump right into this verse is, I recently did an interview in the Journey Home program of a convert who told me that he was brought up without any faith, with his family was not Christian, no religious uh, influence at all until later into his teens. And I'm wondering, from your experience as an evangelist, as you encounter people on the street or in the parishes or where you go, when you look at the state of things in America— how often are the people that you encounter who are who are not followers of Jesus Christ in his church, are they fallen away Christians, or are they people that really had nothing at all as a background? It's kind of a both and. Um, my wife and I uh, started this ministry five years ago, and we basically go to the uh, go straight to the streets, Marcus. I mean, we go to... Uh, the, the, the core of where Jesus is. We go and we've ministered to uh, the gangbangers, the dope dealers, the, the prostitutes, the pimps, and we've, we've ministered to and talked to the, the people that are addicted to, to drugs and alcohol. And, you know, it, it, it's a both and. Some, some people that we've come across, I remember coming across one guy, his name was Cato, and um, he was an alcoholic and had been an alcoholic for uh, going on 10 years. But his father was a Baptist minister. And Cato could quote the Bible better than you and I Hmm. put together, Marcus. But he just had something in his life to where he could not 
get himself yeah. together. But he still held on to that hope in Jesus Christ. Now, there is also the story of the gangbanger uh, that I came across and, and ministered to, and, and he looked at me and, and he said, you know, why are you out here? Why are you trying to help me? What, what, what good do you think you're going to do to try to help me? Nobody has, has ever helped me my entire life. He says, my mother was a whore. She tried to throw me away as a, as a kid. I was bounced around to different family members. I don't know who my father is. Every man in my life has either tried to, to steal something from me, has tried to steal my sexuality from me, or has wanted me to do something for them. No one has ever shown me love in my 20 years of living. And now, Mr. Catholic Evangelist, you come out here with this quote in this Bible telling me that Jesus loves me. Why? How? Who is this Jesus? Oh, man. First of all, audience, you better be praying for Richard. Right. I mean, you, you're sitting, you and I sitting home in our lazy boys, sipping our pina coladas. And uh, here's Richard and his wife out there uh, fighting the battles. And that's just awesome. That is just really amazing. And uh, I do want the, the everyone listening to be offering up a prayer for your the, the, the battle that you're in. I mean, the end of Ephesians six, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're in. Exactly. And you're Deep jumping into it. You're Deep jumping in. with both feet. Yes, and it's it's but it's wonderful, Marcus. Yeah. It's not something that we fear. It's something that we truly love, Marcus. We love going out there because we see the face of Jesus Christ <laughs> in the poor, the needy, and the suffering. And so many of them, you know, we've been ministered to them by them. Yeah. Uh, we've been ministered to by them, and we see the sacrifice and the struggles that they've that they've gone through, and so many people that have overcome. And we realize that we're not out there to save anybody. We can't save anyone. We cannot convert anyone. The only thing that we are out there to do is just to plant the seed. The Holy Spirit does the rest. All we're do, all we're there is to just plant the seed and to try to help, to try to give someone some type of uh, 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 some type of a love, to let them see the face of Jesus Christ in our thoughts and our actions. Where Jesus is really needed the most, Marcus, that I've seen, and again, I've traveled this entire nation for the last five years doing parish missions, is actually in the church yeah. Yeah. itself, yeah. Marcus. It's not out in the street. I can go out into the street and get a hug from a thug that I've never met, but trying to get a hug from a someone who's a fellow brother or sister in Christ in church, oh no, that won't happen uh, often or often enough. And that's where Jesus needs to really be, is in church. Too often we keep him locked in the tabernacle. Oh, well, the, if you didn't notice this, audience, um, if you read the Gospels and the Epistles, what you recognize is that the people that Jesus was primarily talked to were not people that didn't ever have a faith. They were people of the church, and often people who were of the church who had uh, missed the faith aspect of it and were so caught up in the externals that there was no internal conversion. <laughs> and that's what you're talking about, Richard. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. People argue about they they argue about orthodoxy. They argue about pre-Vatican II and post-Vatican II and everything else. And I'm like, you know, they argue about left being too far left and too far right. I tell people, I'm not worried about left and right. 
<laughs> I'm worried about north and south. I'm worried about heaven and hell. Yeah. That's yeah. what concerns me. And we're, 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 we're too concerned about doing things the right way. And that's, that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But is Jesus in our daily lives? Is Jesus in everything that we do, not only outside of the church, but especially inside the church? Are we truly giving that sign of peace to someone at the sign of peace? Or are we just nodding our head and flipping our hands uh, uh, because it's what we're supposed to do? Are we the frozen chosen that come every Sunday to fill, fulfill our holy day of obligation so we don't get in trouble? Or do we go out of love? Yeah, and I had my staff one time calculate how many people die every minute, and it was kind of hard to figure it out on the Internet, but I think we approximated maybe 100 or something. Mm. It's probably 10 times that, but let's just say 100. Mm -hmm. Well, we know in this world there's only 20% that claim to be Catholic. Mm -hmm. And of those Catholics, how many of them are faithful? So that means... At least how many, every minute, how many people are dying apart from the sacraments, apart from the fullness of Jesus Christ? We have a lot of work to do, and it's an urgent call. It is, and it's not just up to the priests, the deacons, the bishops, and the nuns. It's up to the laity. We are the ones that have been charged to go out and to spread the gospel. Archbishop Gomez of San Antonio wrote a pastoral letter a couple of weeks ago urging the laity to embrace the task of evangelization, and he calls it, quote, the duty of every believer to go out and evangelize, to bear witness to God. It's the duty of delight and a duty that we have to carry out with joy and thanksgiving every day. The verse that you chose, uh, Richard, on the one hand is probably one of the more common scriptures, you know, uh, it's quoted all over the place. But for you, it was a verse you never saw. In what way was that? You know, before I became Catholic, um, and, and again, it was my, my, my journey home was a 19-year yep. journey of being a, a, a pretend Catholic, if you will. And, and uh, I didn't actually come into the, to the church until April 19th of 2003. And it was a couple of, right after that, that I began to really get serious with my faith. And I would listen, I would really listen to a lot of, uh, really listen hard and listen good to homilies. And um, one of my own, my own pastor at that particular time, I'll never forget, it was Father Maurice Nutt at, uh, uh, at uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori Rock Church in St. Louis. He did a homily, and the homily on this particular, it, this particular verse just struck me, where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Because at that time, after I'd been converted, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? What do you want me to do, dear Lord? I've, I've messed up my life so bad, but now I feel that I'm washed and made anew. So what is it that you want me to do that I don't fall back into my old way of me doing and it's just something that I continued to meditate on every single day. And it was actually the very first chapter and verse that I, uh, that I, I memorized and meditated on. And Jesus spoke to me, and he just said, he says, I am the way when there is no way. And he showed me that through the Trinitarian God that we serve, that God the Father 
has showed us the way to the truth in his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, fine. God is the way. He's shown me the way through to truth through his Son, Jesus Christ. So that means I have to continue to rely not on my own understanding and seek the kingdom of God first and trust totally and completely in Jesus. St. Paul told us to, to trust in a, uh, in, in a radical way, a total, complete, and radical trust in Jesus. So I said, okay, fine. I understand God now. I understand Jesus. So what is going to happen with me? And then I realized that, you know what, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, if we do all of these things the way that Jesus taught us to do that, then our reward is eternal life, eternal life with God in heaven. And the only way that we're going to get to that life, eternal life is through the Holy Spirit, is through the Advocate for him guiding us and telling us, look, I want you to go left when you go when you want to go right. And so I want you to go over this hurdle or I want you to go straight through because there are man-made hurdles that will be put in our ways. But the Holy Spirit will make a way for those hurdles to go away because this is what God has wanted us to do in our lives. And it just it really blew me away and struck me and it said, "Okay, fine. I've got to finally let go." and let God, because everything that I had done before had gotten me in trouble, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to, God has made me a new creation in Him, and so I have to submit to Him and follow Him totally and completely, and Jesus will show me the way in my life. Richard, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, look deeply at verse 6 for our audience, reflecting on the kinds of lives that you encounter in your work. What are the alternative ways, truths, lives out there, the counterfeits that our audience uh, may be subtly encountering, buying into, that stand in a barrier to them receiving Jesus fully as the way, the truth, and the life? Let's look at that when we come back. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by evangelist Richard Lane, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Richard Lane. And uh, uh, Richard, let's talk about that in verse 6 because... um, 
on the one hand, there are maybe obvious counterfeits out there, but there are some that aren't quite so obvious that people buy into as as alternative counterfeit ways, truths, and, and uh, ways of understanding life. Well, we live in a relativistic society, unfortunately, and we live in a society that dictates that you are your own master. You make, you make uh, your own destiny. You make your way. Uh, if it feels good, then it must be right. Uh, that's unfortunately the type of society that we live in. We live in a society that perpetuates a culture of death, uh, where we see the death penalty, we see uh, uh, the alarming abortion rates, uh, and we live in a society that says, well, that's a woman's choice, uh, where it is not. It is, it is, it, we, are to, uh, we are all called to stand up for, for life at its earliest conception and, and protect life. Um, from its earliest conception all the way to the end of life. We are to protect it. Uh, but society tells us, no, it's not that way. Uh, we live in a society, in a microwave society or a drive-through society where we, won't, we think that we can go and, and treat Jesus like an ATM, treat God like an ATM, and just put, punch in our, our, our baptismal card in the ATM slot and and punch in our, our code and say, okay, I need a sacrament out today, Lord. I need, uh, uh, I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of that out today. And then go on about our daily business. Well, no, God is not a cat. We are not to be cafeteria Catholics. We are not to be cafeteria Christians. Um, but unfortunately, our society uh, uh, exacerbates uh, the, the, the current ways that um, uh, it wants us to to live and then therefore we have a lot of people that are uh, that are not standing up for the truth uh, and unfortunately uh, there are those that are uh, in the pulpit that are not preaching uh, the total truth they're preaching a watered-down truth uh, to us because they say well this is what people want to want they want to feel good when they come to church they don't want to go home upset or, or, or things of that nature when if you preach a watered-down truth you're killing us you know, it's killing us. It's it's driving us straight to uh, uh, to Hades, and that's something that we should not do. Um, you know, our our church has we have some wonderful uh, bishops and wonderful priests that continue to fight for life, that continue to fight for the right, fight for the truth. Uh, Archbishop Burke, Raymond Burke, who was the one that actually I went to in 2006 and and asked him, I said, people are calling me this, this Catholic evangelist. I said, I've never heard of that, Your Grace. What should I do? And he laid his hand on me, and he blessed me as a Catholic evangelist, and he told me to go and make disciples. This same man continues to roar all the way from Rome <laughs> to encourage not only the laity, but to encourage the Catholic politicians that are out there that you must stand up for life. <laughs> Jesus has shown us the way. He has given us the truth. He has given us his own body, his flesh and blood in the Eucharist. And we cannot bastardize the Eucharist by receiving the truth, and we are not living the truth. We're living falsely. We're living a lie. We're not living as Jesus wants us to do. Yeah, I I was going to just... We've got to make sure that Catholics hear the fullness. Yes. And, you know, my work through the Journey Home Program, Coming Home Network, I'm very 
committed to reaching out to our separated brethren to make sure that they are open to the fullness of the faith. But, you, but you're also adding the fact that there are a lot of Catholics out there, call themselves Catholics, but have not ex- received the fullness of the way, the truth, and life because they put uh, constrictions on it because they yeah. don't want to be uh, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, you know, they don't want their life constrained, their mm-hmm. freedoms hindered. And, of course, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Richard, I'm going to push you. Mm-hmm. The distinctiveness of a Catholic evangelist versus just a Christian evangelist. Because Jesus says in this passage, no one comes to the Father but by me. All right. I come from a Protestant background. This is one of my favorite verses. But I've seen the Protestant traditions running with this passage, coming up with different understandings of the way and the truth and the life, even different understandings of what me is, Jesus. And what I found particularly challenging with this verse on my own journey into the church was comparing a verse like this to Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So in other words, there's that connection with Christ, abiding in him, but also throwing it in connection with Acts chapter 9, mm-hmm. when Jesus says to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Mm-hmm. What's the significance there with that word, me? Marcus, and this is, uh, this is just me talking. Yep. When Jesus, in, in, in my understanding, when Jesus says through me, he is talking about the church. Yes. He is talking about the church. He is the church. He has given us himself. And let's go back to John chapter, let's go back to the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's go to verse 14. And the Word became flesh. Let's stop right there. The Word of God, the spoken Word of God, the same God, the Adonai, that that spoke the entire world into being in the beginning in Genesis the same God that spoke the entire world into being has now given us his word, his spoken word, now in the flesh, which is Jesus Christ. And that flesh and, that, and made his dwelling among us. Literal meaning of that is it pitched a tent within us, his tabernacle. So that when we eat his flesh and drink his blood, he is in us. It's the Word. So Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. It is his Word. It is his church. He came down from heaven to establish his church here on earth. God the Father sent his only begotten Son so that from his fullness, again in verse 16, from his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so the only way, God's ultimate desire for us is to get back to him, mm-hmm. is to make it back to heaven. He loved us so much that he gave us our own free will to either love him 
or turn our backs away from him. And unfortunately, so many people in this world right now are turning their backs away from the truth and, and, and turning away from the church and running away. And when I, and I'm blessed to be able to go throughout the country. I not only um, have been blessed to do reflections in Catholic churches, but I also have been asked to preach in Baptist, non- and interdenominational churches as well as a Catholic evangelist. And guess what, Marcus? They haven't thrown rocks at me yet. <laughs> And when well, I you go, preach Jesus, and they hear that clearly. So. Yes. <laughs> and when I go and do these things, I hear so many, after I, I'm done preaching, I hear so many people come up to me and they say the same thing. Well, you know what? It's nice to see a Catholic up here preaching Jesus. Um, you know, I used to be Catholic until I got saved. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I even had a, a beautiful Methodist lady that said that came up to me and she says, "You know what? You must be in trouble with the Catholic Church." I said, "Why?" She said, "Because you preach in Jesus. Catholics don't believe in Jesus. You're talking about the Holy Ghost." And I was teasing her and I said, "Well, sh- don't tell the Pope that. I don't want to get in trouble." <laughs> and then, of course, I, I explained to her that we do. We are Christian. We do oh, believe. In Jesus. We do believe in the Trinitarian form. Well, the so, sad thing about that is, is that that just shows that. There, sadly, our Catholic witness has not always been that clear. Yes, uh, we haven't portrayed it as much. But, but I would say that to me, the danger of, and I'm not trying to be polemical here, but the danger of non-Catholic evangelization, as I've experienced it and seen it, and I went to a, a Protestant seminary that was noted for its commitment to evangelization, is that in the end, the message can become very individualistic. Mm. You and Jesus, and you have to accept Jesus, and Jesus loves you, and if you accept Jesus, then you're saved and you've arrived without any connection to the fact that you really, through baptism, become a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the intent of evangelization, not to be a little spark away from the fire of the church, but to become a full part of of the sacramental church so you can have the fullness of those graces so you can live out your baptism and stand before God without embarrassment. That's very true. And unfortunately, if you don't have, there's two key aspects to that, Marcus. Number one, if you don't have the knowledge, if you don't go back and understand who you are and whose you are, then you have no, then you can't go and tell people about God. And the main thing is if you don't do it out of love, if you don't have the love of Jesus Christ in your heart, then you're going to fail at every effort. We've got to do this out of love. We cannot go and continue to argue, fuss, and fight against each other. Catholics, the the the, orth, the right against the left, the Orthodox against the the whatever, you know. And people are just fighting and and amongst themselves. We have to do this out of love, love of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about what unites us first rather than what separates us. Because once we do that, once we know what we have, and once we understand that we have the same love of brother and sister as Jesus Christ has for us in our hearts, then we can go forward as one people of God. But I'll take you one step further on that, and I've learned this from my Protestant brothers and sisters, is that we as Catholics have to also understand that commitment that our Protestant brothers and sisters have made to to Jesus Christ, because they oh, yeah. make him their personal Lord and Savior. Yep. 
And so we as Catholics have to really understand that, and we have to understand that not only is he our personal Lord and Savior, but we can take it one step further and go and be with him in adoration. We can worship him in the Blessed Sacrament. And we can go in front of the Master and let him tell us the way and the truth and his life for us each and every day through Eucharistic adoration. We can ask him that at the Mass, and we can see through, through transubstantiation, we can see the miracle of Christ coming to us every holy sacrifice of the Mass and every celebration of the Mass. Oh, my God, I love being Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I know in the, uh, the, the, the mystery of our faith, it's... You know, it's it's just easier in some ways. Uh, that's why, in in many ways, the uh, the non-Catholic evangelistic uh, formula it seems to be a little easier. You know that God loves you has a wonderful plan for your life, but sin is separated from God, and there's no way to get there. So Christ died on the cross. If you accept Him as your Savior, you've arrived. I mean, that's basically what I used to teach. You know, once saved, always saved. And 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 there's uh, uh, certainly an element in truth when you've completely surrendered to Christ that it's all His grace. But there's the, a part of evangelization, and uh, I know this is a part of what you teach, but to talk a little bit about the fact that a part of evangelization is not just bringing someone to Jesus, but is helping them recognize that now conversion has only begun. Mm-hmm. It becomes a lifelong walk of surrender. Mm-hmm. And talk about that in the way you proclaim that. I am the way, the truth, and the life is not a one-time conversion it is a walk with Jesus for, you know, for the rest of our life. Well, St. Paul tells us that we have to have a daily Pentecost. We have to have a Pentecost <laughs> every single day. It, it's, it's a choice that we have to make every day to be able to follow Jesus and, or to turn our ways away from him. Some of us have good days, some of us have bad days. Yeah. But when we fall down, we can get right back up and go to the priest and say, you know what, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Um, I fell down. And then Jesus can also, God can give us that absolution when we sin, and we can continue with it in our lives. But again, this is something that we have to live every single day. And I thank God that this is the hardest career that I've ever had. And I call it a career because it's not a job. When I when I had a job, I was going to I was going to a job every day and looking at the clock and I can't wait for four or five o'clock to come to get off work. But now that God has given me this career, when I lost my secular job two years ago, He says, "Look," He says, "I'm going to show you the way. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and teach everyone what I have taught you. It doesn't matter." that you don't have a Ph.D. In, in whatever, or a master's degree in whatever. He says, I have given you my love. I have shown you. I have given you a, a, a good mind to be able to go and study and read on your own and teach others. That's what God wants us to do every single day of our lives. Now, do you have to give up your job and be a full-time evangelist? No. But God wants us to do, if you're a house, if you're a uh, a housewife, then you can pray. Then it's the way that you raise your children. It's the way that you live your lives through the sacrament of marriage. If you're an attorney, it's the way that you live as a Christian, as a, as a good Catholic attorney, standing up for, for the Catholic teachings. 
If you're a politician, are you a politician of morals, a politician standing up again for, for Catholic social teaching and for the right and for standing up for people and not for our own selves or one's self? If you are a doctor, are you doing, are you, you practicing safe medicine or are you, uh, uh, are you discouraging others from, from doing embryonic stem cell research, which is, again, killing innocent life, or are you encouraging them to do adult stem cell research? Are you doing positive things in your career, whether you are a janitor or whether you are the president of the United States? I remember a priest once preached a, a homily, and he said, and I quote, he said, if God has called you to be a street sweeper, you must sweep streets as Michelangelo painted, <laughs> so that all the angels and saints in heavens will see the love of Jesus in which you swept those streets. Yep, yep. We're going to take in one last break in a second, Richard. What I'd like you to do as we close, Thomas asked the question, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus gave an answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you're talking about stem cell research, abortion, all these other issues. And you'd almost wonder, Thomas saying, wait a second, Jesus, okay, did that answer my question? How can we know the way? A lot of people recently had this thing, what would Jesus do? And they wore that little band around their waist. Well, you can come up with a lot of answers. All right. When we come back, here we are in the middle of Lent. Someone wants to grow closer, wants to be more faithful. How can they know the way? Let's look a bit. Look at that when we come back. Listening to Deep in Scripture, this is your host, Marcus Grody, joined today by evangelist Richard and Richard Lane, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grota. I am joined today by Richard Lane. and. Richard, frankly, there are people out there that think they know Jesus and think they know the way, and frankly, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, they call themselves a Catholic, but they're out there promoting things that are wrong. How can you know the way? One of the things that I, that I was taught, my wife is a certified master catechist, and, and she was my catechist when I was coming through. and She taught me that you don't just read uh, a, a particular chapter and verse, but you have to put it, you have to read the context, and in the context that it's in. And to really understand that, we go to verse 1, where it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Mm -hmm. If we understand that Jesus is the way, and the truth, and the life, if we have totally and completely given ourselves to Jesus, 
then we have to not let our hearts be troubled. We have to know and trust radically in Jesus Christ, who said that he would never leave us, who said that he would always be there for us. When I lost my job two years ago, I looked up to the heavens and I said, Lord, have mercy, what have you done? What have you done? And then, again, I just got on my knees and continued to pray. And he showed me the way. He will continue to show all of us the way. And in verse 12, this is the answer that he continues not only to give to Thomas, but to give all of us. He says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. So if we believe in Jesus Christ, not just say it, but if we believe that Jesus said that he will make a way out of no way, then we can understand that we are walking in his way if we are doing his works, his works of love. And he also goes on to tell us that if we do that, then we will do greater ones than these. Because he left to go to be with the Father. And the one that I love the very most is verse 14. He says, if you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. And he says, not just not so that he will be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the works of the Son. And if we ask in his name, we ask that God be glorified, that Jesus be glorified, not that Richard Lane or Marcus Grodi be glorified, but that God get all the glory. So we have to continue to know that the victory has already been won for us. It's already been won. But you know what? We have to, to get up every day, pick up our cross, and tell ourselves, you know what? Jesus is the way. This is going to be a great day. I'm going to let go of the past, and I'm going to continue to tell someone about the love that Jesus Christ has given me. I'm going to preach the gospel in the way that I love my wife. My wife and I are going to go and celebrate communion together. We're going to go and celebrate as, as three people, because there's three people in that sacrament. My <laughs> wife, myself, and Jesus. Yeah, yeah the, the beautiful simplicity of the Catholic gospel is that no matter how lost you are, how, how, how deep of a pit you've dug for yourself number one the answer is jesus Mm -hmm. simply and number two though once you've accepted jesus it's not as if he's now left you on your own to try and figure out what it means to follow jesus he didn't just drop a book into your lap called the bible that's it's going to easily explain everything because it doesn't he gave you the beauty of his body the church so that you can know what it means to follow him. And Richard, the beauty is it's just not me and the church, it's you and me. In other words, we're brothers. Exactly. We're not doing this alone. You're doing it in Kansas City and St. Louis. I'm over here in Ohio right now, all these listeners, but we're all together praying for each other by grace, seeking to follow Jesus fully with our lives. And it's black, it's white, it's Hispanic, it's Native American. We are all different colors, we are all different flavors, and we celebrate our Eucharistic Lord in different ways, accustomed to our culture, but it's all the same celebration. It's all the same God that we serve in His beautiful, one, true, holy, 
Roman Catholic Church. I've, when I came into the church, the, the, of course, the aspects of the Mass uh, you know, are new to me, not coming from that aspect of the liturgy. And I was wondering, Richard, what well, you thought about this when we say lift up your hearts, right? That mm-hmm. wonderful part of the Mass. What, what's always struck me about that is that what God sees is not our skin. Mm-hmm. He sees our heart. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's you and I, God sees our heart. What's going on in our heart? What's at the center? And that's what you're doing in your life is trying to change people's hearts to bring them home. Exactly. And the key to that, again, and I can't overemphasize it, is love. We, can, we cannot continue to try to pluck the, the splinter out of our brother or sister's eye when we have a huge beam in our own eye. We have to understand that the only way that this world is going to change is through love. We have to continue to reach out and love our brothers and sisters, especially those that have fallen away from the church. The only way they're going to come back is if they see love, is if they see the true love of Jesus Christ in each of us and our actions and how we live our lives every day. Richard, there are people that you encounter that are amazed that you as a Catholic love Jesus. Is that because, sadly, we haven't loved? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think that you really have loved until you understand or have some understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for your life. (laughs) Um, I didn't understand love until God answered my prayers when he gave me my wife. And I didn't understand that unconditional love that God has for me until he gave me my wife. And the way that she loves me is unconditional. And the way that I try to love her is unconditional. Because God loves us unconditionally. That's the way he wants the whole world to love each other. Richard, thank you so much for joining us on Deep in Scripture today. I want to remind the audience of your website, www.catholicevangelist.net. Thanks, Richard. You join us again sometime? Anytime. It's our pleasure. God bless you. Keep us in your prayers. We'll keep you in ours. All right, Richard. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this program. If you go to deepinscripture.com, you can also listen not only to this program again, but to all the past programs. And if you go to EWTN.com, you'll see all the great stuff that goes on at EWTN, including the Journey Home program on Monday nights. It's a pleasure to be with you because we walk this path together, seeking to be close to Jesus by His grace. Be with you again soon.